Okay. Well, anyway, it's my turn to have a chance to uh, share some things with you. And uh, particularly what I like, as I, as I look at all the faces out there, uh, my heart is touched even uh, before I begin speaking. I have great memories of so many of you that are here. Thank you. Uh, today is Monday, August the 7th, second hour lecture. And the title of my lecture is Nothing Natural Exists which does not have its cause in the spiritual. Now that may uh, sound uh, somewhat academic, but let's put some life to it. What's your name? My, oh, my name is George McCurdy. Thank you so much. I, I forget who I am once in a while. 83, <laughs> it begins to slip in and out. Uh, but anyway, thank you. All right, uh, I want to start out with reading another quote that uh, sort of puts some life to that statement. Nothing in the natural world exists except it is from the spiritual. Listen to this from the Arcana. Natural things represent spiritual things, and they correspond. That may be known from the tha fact that what is natural cannot possibly come forth except from a cause that's prior to itself. Its cause is from what is spiritual, and there is nothing natural which does not derive its cause from the spiritual. So, natural forms are effects, nor can they appear to be causes, still less the cause of causes. So in other words, what this quote from the Arcana is trying to tell us is the following thing. And again, I'm going to read another quote, which uh, I'm going to stop reading the quotes in a minute and talk. What is eternal has no end. What is eternal is. What is natural is not. Isn't that an interesting quote? What is eternal is, what is natural is not. Now that's not a put down. That's just a kind of having us begin to connect and see everything that exists in this natural world. And boy, as we were riding in on the Kangamangas Highway to get here, it was just overwhelming. Uh, looking at the flumes coming out over the mountains down into the little valley. It was wonderful seeing all those round stones in the uh, waterway with the water cascading over it. It was wonderful rounding a corner and looking up and seeing mountain folding inside of mountain. I mean, how could you not, in a sense, be touched with the fact that the natural is reflecting something about spiritual, or the spiritual is working its way through the natural. What a wonderful life this is for us. And so we gather here at Freiburg, and we come back because we look out and we see those wonderful mountains that are out there that reminds us that there's something causing. So I would like to say, we are because God is. 
Isn't that wonderful? We are because God is. So we sometimes, the, the hells play with our mind, getting us to feel that we're rather insignificant. Well, no, wait a minute. God is and we are because He is. So let's go on with, with another quote. In divine love and wisdom, we have this teaching. God is action. All else is reaction. Uh, so God is working through us. He's stimulating us. He's giving us ideas for the idea that we are to react. He's action. We're reaction. Now in the world, we're taught in the writings that there have been five spiritual churches. Run with me and I may ask you a question. The first one was called the most ancient church. And it was represented by Adam and Eve. And as long as Adam and Eve were in a state of order, it says God walked among them and He talked to them. Whenever they had a question, God would send His angels or Himself and He would give them an answer. Boy, I would like to have just had a little bit of experience with what that was like, wouldn't you? Where God's walking among... But it says that church, after a while, something happened. We don't know how long, but gradually they became proud about the fact that they could sit and talk to God and God give them answers. But then you remember the problem? There was that certain tree that they were told that they were not to eat the fruit of. And they did. And uh, I love the four questions that uh, the, the Lord came and asked the most ancient church. Run with me on this, the four questions. It says, the Lord came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the first question he says, where are you? He knew perfectly well where they were, but he wanted to get them to think about, where are you now? You ate of that fruit I told you not to eat of. Where are you? Second question was, <clears throat> excuse me, did you eat of that tree that I told you not to eat of? He knew they had eaten of it. But again, he was trying to stimulate us to think. The third question, they said, oh, well, we hid ourselves because we were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? And the fourth question that he asked them was, what is to become of you now? I, I love those four questions because I think even today we need to say periodically, where am I? You know, where am I in this progression of moving from the natural to reconnect with that which is? And I think that's why we come to Freiburg. We like to have lectures to do this reconnecting. Where are you? Second question I think we need to ask ourselves, do we once in a while eat of that fruit that we shouldn't be eating of? You know, are we becoming naked because we are following a life of disorder? And I like that last question, what's to become of you? So the Lord was saying, let's get reconnected. The second church was called the ancient church. And the thing I loved about what we're taught on that is the ancient church had a life where wherever they walked, they looked at a tree. And they thought about what its spiritual meaning was. They looked at the mountain. And, and, and you know, do you remember that song, How Beautiful Upon the Mountains Are the Feet of Him Who Walked? I mean, it, you know, it gets us to think about the Lord and, and being uplifted into the mountains. 
Now, where the most ancient, I mean, where the ancient church went awry is they were warned, look at nature, look at the things in nature, but don't worship them. Well, the ancient church made the mistake, but they began to build groves and things of that kind where they began to worship the thing and not the is. So uh, we need to reconnect. And, and throughout our life, we have to see the representations, but not worship them. And then the, the uh, Jewish church, which came along, uh, they got fixated on things. And the Lord had to come and remind them, you have heard it said of old, but I say unto you. He was trying to redirect them from just following tradition to following things that he said. Now, I want to ask some of my Latin scholars here, what does the word nunc licet mean? And which church was directed to those words, nunc licet? Now it is permitted. Now it is permitted to enter into the mysteries of faith with the understanding. Isn't that wonderful? So that's, that's the gift and the promise that's to, coming to the new church. We need to look at the mysteries of faith with this thing called our intellect. And so we need to discuss, we need to look, we need to make the charts, we need to look, but we need to enter into the mysteries of faith with understanding. Now Swedenborg had two wonderful experiences. I need to take this off for a minute, hold it. Swedenborg experienced seeing the word in heaven. And as he walked into a, 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 a sanctuary, at the center of the sanctuary, there was a copy of the word. And it glowed. It had a shine coming from it like a star. And it says surrounding it was all kinds of rainbow colors. And he saw an angel come in and pick up the word. And I, well, I, I get sort of touched by it, but in this case, I'm to be the part of that angel. And so I'm holding the word. And it says, as the angel can, comes into the, and picks up the word, his hands have to touch the word, and the hands begin to shine and glow. And then as he's holding the word, the word brushes up against his clothes, and his clothes began to shine and glow. And the word angel was so touched by what was in the word, he put his face on the word, and his face began to glow. Can you hear the correspondences there? Hands are the things that we do work. These are vital as part of our doing our job, our mission. And so the teaching is the Lord wants us to touch his word and put it into our work. Clothing is representative of that which protects us. The Lord wants the word to touch our spiritual clothing to protect us. And the face, the writings are clear, the face is a picture or window into the heart. So isn't that wonderful that Swedenborg, as he was being prepared for his mission, saw this vision of an angel picking up the word with the hands glowing, the clothes glowing, and the face glowing. I, I love that picture. It's an inspiration. And then the second vision that he had was he saw, he saw a picture of the word, remember it was seen as a star, 
And while this star was up in the heavens, it just was magnificent with its light. And then he was shown uh, the star coming down little by little by little. And as it proceeded and came near the earth, the light of the star began to diminish until it went out. The angels came and said to Swedenborg, what's new on earth? Isn't that a wonderful question? What's new on earth? And so Swedenborg began to elucidate what he was being told to teach people. And the angel said with sadness, how long will it be before the light goes back on? That's a question for everyone sitting here. We, I mean, here's this wonderful light coming down into the natural world. And it's beginning to, you and I have to connect and have to be getting excited about studying that word. And, and my, how I, I love that representation of the hands, the clothes, the face. So that's what I like about reconnecting here. We want to bring, with the Lord's help, begin to get that light that comes down into the natural world and kind of goes out. We want to lighten it and begin to lift our hearts so that it begins to shine. Can you relate to that? I mean, I want to be an inspiration to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm hoping you want to do. I have a mission. We have a mission to be studiers of the Lord's word and bring it so that it becomes a light. So I want God to be my action, and I want to be the good reaction. There is a, uh, I want to read this quote, because I think, again, it's a challenge. What is temporary bears no ratio to what is eternal, as what is finite in time bears no ratio to the infinite. What endures to eternity, that is. But what has an end is relatively not. That which is divine provides, but that which is not does not provide. So uh, uh, again, I, I hear the Lord offering uh, a, a very powerful, positive challenge. Do you want to mess around with that which is temporal and which is not? Or do you want to get involved with that which is and will be to eternity? So, um, uh, you, you know, I, I, there's uh, a, a teaching which it, I, I love. It's in the Arcana, and I've lost the number. I'll find it for somebody that's interested. It says, every day in hundreds of millions of ways. Can I say that again? Every day in hundreds of millions of ways, the Lord is involved in our life. Anybody here ever feel alone and feel like the Lord's off somewhere? He doesn't know about me. Every day, in hundreds of millions of ways, the Lord's involved with us. Poor me. Hell wants to say, you and the Lord have disconnected. He's di oh, he's all busy out there running, taking care of that black hole. You know, or he's busy with these other universes, universes uh, and he's not so involved in you. No, let's re-educate ourselves. Every day, in hundreds of millions of ways, the Lord is involved in our lives. We do need to reconnect. So uh, I want us, and I brought with me, and I'm not selling books. I don't get any commission for this. But uh, uh, 
you know, we're always, some of you see on Facebook friends saying, can anybody recommend a book? I'm getting ready to take a trip and I want to have a nice book to read. Well, I'd like to offer you one of three books. This one I have at the end is an old favorite of mine. It's called Little Things of Nature. It's a story, what's well, not as thick, but it's all a story about as we're walking through nature and we, we look at things, we can think about the spiritual meaning. But this is no longer in print. These are, what's the first book I have in my hand? John Worcester, bless his heart, in the late 1800s, minister out in San Francisco, uh, began to be caught up with the fact that he wanted to deal with correspondences of things that are connected to the eternal. So the first one is called The Correspondences of the Human Body. Have any of you read this? Okay, it's a, a great, I, I won't go through the whole table of contents, uh, but here's representation of the lips, the tongue, the teeth, the stomach, the intestines, the liver, the spleen. Oh, it just goes on and on about everything that's in the body as to what its spiritual connection is. So that, uh, you know, as we think about the fact, how many sections are in the brain? Divided into two, right? And why is it involved in two? Love and wisdom. Why are the heart and lungs? Love and wisdom. Uh, I, you know, uh, we sing a song in, in the children's service. All, please join me, anybody. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do and hear. Why is it do and hear? Why isn't it hear and do? Isn't it amazing when we get doing the work of the Lord, we hear Him? We need to be doing things. And so, knowing the correspondences of the body, it's a delightful read. If you're going to take a plane trip and you're on a plane for 18 hours, I guarantee you'll find, you'll find this interesting. So that's one book. And by the way, if you're a member of the foundation, you can get this book for $13.50. <laughs> All right. The next book I have, Correspondences of Plants. Throughout the, the scripture, there are many references to the, that the Lord makes about plants. Vis-a-vis, -vis, listen to a few of them. I won't read the whole list. The olive, the vine, the palm, the fig tree, the pomegranate. Almonds, beech trees, chestnut trees, oak trees, on and on it goes. You can see that it's got quite, quite a, a coverage of all kinds of plants that are mentioned in the scripture, what they mean spiritually. The last one I have is the correspondence of animals that are mentioned in the scriptures. And just to name a few, go to the card table of contents. The sheep, the goats, the oxen, the unicorn, horses and the ass, the mule, the camel, elephants, lions, bears, wolves, on and on. You can see there are many, many more. But you and I can find this fascinating because it's giving us a spiritual correspondence to relate to that which is, so it helps that which is not. So uh, three little books. 
uh, that I would recommend to you to, so that we can walk around nature and like the ancient church, we can look at the water coming down over. I, I love the fact that if you go by a brook, you hear the bubbling of the water. It sort of chatters. Well, you know, and, and sometimes when you're at water, the deepest water is quiet. And you, you know, the depth. So there's, there are all kinds of correspondences. So, you, you know, I, th I think my challenge to you is this. Let's become conversant with the Lord by looking at the correspondences of our body, of our plants, and of our tr uh, uh, animals. Now, I have a question. Somebody, and I've got maybe six minutes left before I really open up this thing. Any of you ever wonder why, if everything has a good correspondence, why do we have ticks, fleas, and uh, those, those noxious animals? Why in the world does the Lord let, I mean, ticks, Lyme's di Lyme disease, fleas, fleas love me. I, I remember one time I was called to help clean a basement. I walked, I came out and my legs were covered with fleas. They're obnoxious, biting, things like, why do you think the Lord allows them? Did he intend to create spiders that bite and, you know, scorpions? And it says that the reason they exist is to remind us that if we don't follow him, there can be noxious things that come into our life. You get that picture? There, I mean, I, I, I don't want to have a tick on me. As a matter of fact, I had a bite this morning on my arm from a mosquito. Rascals come and... I've got back in my house. You don't have them. We have what's called porcelain berry. Anybody familiar with the porcelain berry? It is invasive. It crawls up a tree and, and hosts it and then chokes it, its uh, host to death. And many a tree in my backyard, because I haven't gotten to clipping those things, are just absolutely engulfed by the porcelain berry. And I think, oh man, I'd like to eradicate them because they do destroy uh, dogwoods and, 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 you know, more beautiful things. But I think the Lord's reminding us if we don't let do some cleaning and some uh, pruning and things like that, noxious things can take over and interfere with that which is spiritual. So, uh, my lecture title, that which is in the natural world, can only have an existence because of what was prior and that which is in the spiritual world. Yes, sir? Could you say just a few words about the correspondence of the human body as it, as it relates to the, the shape of heaven? Right. To the, colonies of the, to the grand man. Grand man. Yes. That is a wonderful study in and of itself. So that's why this book on the human body, originally it was called Physiological Correspondence, and most people didn't follow physiological, so they, that's why they changed the title, Correspondence of the Human Body. But you're right, sir, are studying this and seeing how everything in the body corresponds to the grand man uh, is, is a wonderful study. And so, uh, yes, I think we would be inspired to see that heaven is in the shape of the human body. And uh, tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, my next lecture is on the two kingdoms and the three heavens, which is going to tie into this. Uh, not to show levity, but my son-in-law just passed two kidney stones. 
be interesting to know what the correspondence would be. You can look it up. Time out. Time out. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of looking up the kidney stones, but that's all right. He, he may have. No, I don't see kidney stones. In, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's, the kidneys are there. So we could probably, uh, while studying the correspondence, begin to see why those kidney stones are so painful and discomforting. But I want to be, uh, in this lecture, at least stimulating so that uh, we can see the connection. God is, everything else is not. And so we, we need to work on, on reconnecting with the Lord through our religion, through uh, our hearts. So, uh, you know, I, again, I, uh, I just say this is, I, I'm going to take a, in September, we're going on a river boat cruise. I'm going to have one of these with me so that when things get uh, to the point where I need a little reflection time, I have something there to read. So, yes, honey. I was just thinking when you said in many, many ways the Lord is with us, and we don't always recognize what is happening, but we have choices. Of going back to the first lecture, we have choices all day long, and we realize that some of our better choices is because the Lord is moving in our hearts many, many times to move us to a better choice. And that is a good thing about our life. The more better choices we choose, the more we are getting closer to a heavenly life. And where we can live in that life with things revealed. That's pretty scary. When I read Divine Providence and talked about how in heaven there's no masking, that was pretty, I better get my life in order here before I go because there is that unmasking. So if you're thinking right here, and I loved our song today about if your heart keeps right, if your thinking keeps right also, no. um, that it, it's gonna be beneficial because you'll be in a more heavenly state, prepared for heaven and not for the other place. All three lectures that I prepared, I have a friend who teaches in the Bernathan College. Uh, by the way, I taught him in high school. Uh, <laughs> but it, whenever he gives a, a, an involved lecture, he gets to the end of the lecture and he says with a smile, someone on his face, so what? <laughs> so what? What is this? What was my presentation all about? I want to be so what, so that I can with the Lord say, what's, where am I? Did I eat of that fruit? Who told me I was naked? And what's to become of me? Uh, I want to be able to walk out among this thing like the ancient church and look at and think about the correspondences of everything that the Lord has created. I, I want to be alive. I don't want to be numbed out. So I say to you, as I prepare to have questions come up, so what? I want to also have that star, as it comes down towards the natural world, not have its light go out. I don't want the angels to say, how long is it going to be before this light it doesn't go out? I want to be able to walk into the Lord's sanctuary, put my hands on his word, and have my hands bright. I want my clothing that protects me to be shining with the Lord. 
I want my face to look happy and reflect the joy that, that's in my heart. I, I don't want that 1995 BMW experience. I want my motor running. I want to be able to share. So I open the floor at this point to, to comments. Well, George, one of the things that um, I'm reminded of that I want to lift up because you've lifted up the plants and the animals is how Swedenborg talks about the correspondence within the correspondence of plants and animals corresponding to our thoughts and feelings and how helpful that's been to me that, you know, like you mentioned that vine, is there a thought in us that's taking over the healthy growth of our mind and just sort of suffocating, suck, suffocating it and, and sucking the life out of it? Yeah. Is there some kind of fixation that needs to be pruned away? Um, our feelings, sometimes we're gentle as a lamb and sometimes we're as fierce as a lion. And if we can use the animal correspondences because we know animals' behaviors and natures to say, what's in me and what do I choose? Am I, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm impulsively roaring at people because I'm impatient, I can use that animal correspondence to say, well, you know, maybe I could try to tame that lion or do I want to choose to reflect another part of me? Because we have all the plants and all the animals within us. All right. And, and I like a quote that uh, I found, again, I just thought of it, so I don't give a number, but you can find it under the word fixation. Did the writings say, hell loves to get us fixating on one problem, where we become inordinately fixated on that one problem. It doesn't want us exploring. It doesn't want us reading. It doesn't want us being, it wants us to fixate on a problem. And then there are other quotes that I just put on the other day. Angels who love us come and say, and I'm, I bet every parent that's here has had a time when your child was ill, sick, and you've said out loud or in yourself, I wish I could endure this in, uh, discomfort and I would even be, and the angels say, I would even be willing to die for you. Is that love or is that, I mean, you know, they want to help us. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to energize us to be readers, to thinkers, to, to not fixate on the fact of poor me, I'm going to hell, the Lord doesn't care. In hundreds of millions of ways every day, the Lord cares about us. So, um, and somebody else, I'm back to talking again. I want to hear your question and comment. Yes? Well, I'm just a little bit confused by your quote that God is, everything else is not. Right. Because I view everything else as, you know, if we look at everything else that's created, there is the divine in that which you so eloquently stated when you talked about the Kangamangas Highland. So, um, so wouldn't it be more true to say God is, God is and God is in everything? If I invite him in, yes, then I can say that statement. But if I think I'm the creator, I'm the man, I know, what was the, the poem? I'm the captain of my ship and the master of my fate. Mm -hmm. If I think that, my boat's going to sink. Uh, but if I invite the Lord in, who is, and I allow him to direct me, then he makes me more is. 
but I can't make myself is all on my own, apart from him, forget you. And that's where I, I think the problem comes in. Yes. I think that pantheism teaches the Lord is in everything, as though the piece of him is in there. And I was always taught, it was very helpful, that his proceeding is in the creation from what, and that's why you can say the Lord is and everything is not. In other words, we can't even live without the Lord's life flowing in us. So in a sense, he is, and we are because he is. And But He, we don't really uh, involve ourselves in pantheism, believing that's what happened with one of the churches, is they began to think, that the Lord was in nature instead of proceeding, creating nature. I would like to offer, uh, we have a hospital right outside where I live, and I walk in and they the big sign that says, we heal. And I think, what arrogance. They may be facilitators in the process, but a God does the healing. But to have this hospital announce to the world, we heal, I think, is an error. And so I, I do want to get to the point where, okay, I can be a facilitator with the Lord in helping healing, but I don't do the healing. Does that make any sense to you at all? I don't want to be arrogant. I want to be a vessel through which the Lord flows. And because of his isness, I can get, have a little bit of isness. I thought you mentioned that there were five churches. Yeah, well, I, I heard, overheard you the most ancient four. church. Most ancient, ancient, ancient Jewish. Jewish church, Christian church, okay. and the new church. Oh, okay. And, and I also like that, that picture of the temple where the words nunc licet are written. Now it is permitted to enter into the mysteries of faith with the understanding. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's interesting we talk about healing because it, that's where I was going. I, there's more and more research that's coming out, which I think we all knew in, intuitively, but that nature is healing, that getting out into nature, spending time in nature is good for your body, is good for your mind, and it's just tying into, you know. Mm -hmm. The reasoning maybe is more clear to me than it might be to other people, but yeah. it's, it's becoming more popular now to get out into nature rather than staying inside. Focusing on your video game, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's physically healing. Yes. So, um, but I think through the Lord. I've told Lois at my resurrection service, I, I want them to at some point uh, have that song, "How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him, of who, him brings good tidings. who brings good tidings." I just absolutely love that song. The imagery that's there, uh, just. And it's a 50 center. Okay, when the Lord's up there on those mountains. We were talking about the weather guy here, and in, in, uh, you know his name. Well, Joe Scott. Yeah, but, but he would announce, and, and his mom would come and at breakfast table, and she said, well, it's going to be a 50 center today, uh, or a 25 center, or whatever it was. But uh, I just, you know, when the Lord's walking in those mountains, um, his feet just are bringing the best and greatest tidings. And one of them is, I'm with you every day in hundreds of millions of ways.
Anybody here work with people in AA? Um, what's the theory about AA? For uh, until you hit bottom, until you quit with the games, and and and, and it's then as you hit bottom that uh, you can have a beginning point of coming up. Well, the writings say the Lord allows us sometimes to hit bottom, and when we hit bottom and we turn to him, he begins to lift us up. So uh, I, I, that, those two images I gave about the angel holding the word just means a lot to me. Uh, I want my hands to glow. Yes, sir. And they won't take it because they've learned if doctors make the call out of kindness and what they think is kindness, those people don't stay. So you really have to get to the point. They've learned that they have to get to the point where the person who wants the help is on the line saying, yes, I want to be admitted. Me. 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 I thought that'd be useful. Okay. Well, so I've been doing a lot of interaction about Facebook Live, so say hello to your friends. Katie Reinstra says hello. Um, we have some questions coming through. Um, I'm not going to read them all because there's a lot from the same person. But she says, this is Carol LeBaron. She says, I wonder how correspondences on the human body relate to the chakra system. To the what? To the chakra system. And she also says, I don't see how heaven could be in the shape of the human body. If the human body shape is a material thing that we understand on this plane, but the celestial or the spiritual would be immaterial and not have the shape as we understand it. Okay. Uh, I would like to, I don't know the faith background of this person, but it's interesting that Paul uh, picked up this card, and he hadn't read Swedenborg, but he picked up this correspondence about the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you, and this and this, and he goes through the whole body saying these, these things, they need to interact and testify of that which is spiritual. So Paul picked it up. But uh, Swedenborg picked it up because of the revelation about the body relating. So uh, I think it's a useful thing to think of heaven. Oh, I know. Here's an example. Anybody pick up a newspaper 
and you look at the newspaper, there's a picture of it there. Have you ever looked close at the picture that's on the newspaper? Dots. Dots. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dots. But when you step back and you look at it, you recognize the face of the person that's being featured. Well, heaven is made up like that body where there are these thousands of little connecting links, but when they come together, it gives a picture of how heaven functions. So we need, you know, uh, rather than this e ethereal thing, we need to see that each dot is connected so that it put, put together gives us a picture. I hope that helps that person. She actually had another good comment um, in response to the AA. She said, uh, when we hit rock bottom and completely surrender, they do have to ask God for help. And when we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to, God, uh, to the God of our understanding. Thank, thank you for that great. contribution. Look right here. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, so nature to me is very useful, and it gives us so many examples of uh, how diversity and adversity can be overcome, and there can be regrowth and regeneration. Um, you know, like a storm comes and wipes out trees and floods things and all this, yet through time it all grows back and becomes well again. And so I think that's just a wonderful thing, but um, when you use animals, I just can't help but think that, you know, I, I hope there's something in there about dogs. Dogs, <laughs> yes. yes. Because what I learned from a dog, and what I my dog is popular, is just this unconditional love that just comes from a dog. Right. Yeah, because you remember uh, the Lord made that used that example. The woman said, "Feed me," and he said, "You know, I can't feed you because, you know." And she said, "Even the crumbs that fall off the table, the dogs come and eat." I mean, you know. So there is that reference there. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's fox. Um, why scorpion? Look up wolves. Canine. Because wolves are the ancestors of dogs. Yeah, there it is, the dog. So there, okay. there's a whole section on dogs in this. Okay. Now I have to read it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to reiterate the glowing of the word is that in the here, in the present day, there is a move that the Bible is irrelevant. And I was just moved by what you're saying today in this lecture, is that the Bible should be very relevant in our life. We shouldn't make it irrelevant. And there's a quote in the writings that say this, that when the Lord caused the word to be written, he wrote it in such a way that no matter what age, no matter what our intellect is, there is something there waiting for that state. I mean, can you imagine that, a book, writing a book that no one, no one is ignored or, and, and uh, I, I had a little thing, I, I thought, I wonder how many people have been created since the beginning of creation. So for a lack of a number, I said 108 trillion. 
I don't know. Who knows? How but the word or the writings say that the Lord is an adjuster and a fixer. And what the writings go on to say is the Lord adjusts his word to every single person he creates. And he fixes and adjusts it so that we can get something out of it. Now, is that a, a magnificent, loving, I'd say 108 trillion people, every single person the Lord adjusts and fixes. I get chills just thinking of that. Ah. Yes? And, you know, George, part of that, that's beautiful example of what we have to be careful with with the correspondences also. I mean, people have tried to write the dictionary of correspondences, but they are contextual. I mean, they're related to where I am in my spiritual journey and my understanding. And so, it, and there's the good and there's the bad side. Uh -huh. you, you talk about water and the truth, but a flood is something different. So I think that's why the correspondences are so hard for people to really grasp, because you can't just look up one thing, and that's always, it, it right. always relates, like your relationship to the dog affects the correspondences too. And I, I do love the fact that the man that built his house on the rock, the man that built his house on the sand, they, they uh, suffered the same afflictions, but one stood and one didn't. And, and so when the falsity of where, and hell was clever. It, it, you remember when the Lord was being tempted, they said, you know, it's written that if you jump off of this ledge, the angels will catch you. And, or it's written that you could turn these stones into bread. The Lord could very well have just like that done that, but he refused to follow their little twisting of the, of the truth. And they were trying to bring the flood to knock down his house. So, I, I'm out of time, and I don't want to go over. Okay, I just wanted to say, uh, I, I love the fact that there's the good and the bad correspondence. I love that that bubbling brook coming down is oxygenated water, that's truth that feeds, and yet if it comes and gets still and stagnant, it's like falsity. Where does falsity come from? That teaches me where, if the Lord didn't crawl, uh, uh, cause truth and evil, where did it come from? It came from the water, less oxygenated, and into back stagnant ponds, sitting there, not suffocating everything. And that's where it comes from, that, that truth turned into falsity. My last words to you, so what? <laughs> You're going to hear that phrase two more times as I, so what? Thank you very much. Thanks for wearing.